When my children were littler, and that is to say, particularly in uh, their pubescent years, their teenage years as well, oftentimes one or the other, and I have two, Hannah and Joshua, Hannah's the oldest, Joshua's the youngest, one or the other would say to me that I love the other more than them. Uh, you love Hannah more than me. You love Joshua more than me. And uh, let, me, let me just tell you, as a parent, that's exasperating. It's exasperating because how do you tell a child that there's, it, there's no more than infinity? I love you infinitely. I love Joshua infinitely. I love you, Hannah, infinitely. There is no limit to the amount I love you. I love you differently because I can't love Joshua the Hannah way and I can't love Hannah the Joshua way. But there is no comparison. And it seems to me that one of the biggest challenges of, as being people of faith that I have discovered is that we spend a lot of time measuring each other, comparing ourselves to one another. And today's story is a parable that Jesus tells, and it's about comparing each other. So I'm going to be reading to you from the Gospel according to Luke. It's been a little while since we've done any Luke dances. I'm going to be reading from chapter 18. Two men, this is Jesus talking, two men went up to the temple to pray. One, a Pharisee, and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, was praying this, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, thieves, rogues, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week, and I give a tenth of all my income. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even look up to the heavens but was beating his breast and saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his home justified rather than the other, for all who exalt themselves will be humbled, but all who humble themselves will be exalted. Wow. Well, if I'm really honest with you, I sat very uneasily with this sermon this week because, you know, I told you, we're going to be learning more during the six weeks leaning, leading up to the crucifixion and Easter and resurrection. Um, we're going to be learning about different folks in, uh, in the life of Jesus that played a key part in leading to his crucifixion or perhaps being with his crucifixion, people who passed judgment on him last week, Pontius Pilate. This week, religious folk. Now you can say, now James, why didn't you pick a specific religious folk? Well, it's much easier to just pick us all as a group. And the reason I sat so uneasily with this is because I, re I realized I'm a religious folk. I, relig I realized how easily it is to cross over from the spirituality of connecting with God deeply in yourself to making rules about it so that you're inside and everybody else is outside. Everybody who's not like you is not as good as you, whatever good is, and everybody else gets on it, and it makes you feel better about yourself. 
I, I mean, if we go back to that question that I told you at the beginning of the story, it was all about when Hannah would ask that question or Josh would ask that question about who I loved more, it was need, they needed reassurance that they were loved. That's what they really needed. But without knowing any better, they needed a comparison. We are constantly comparing ourselves. Well, I am sure that God loves Linda more than God loves me, my wife Linda. Why? Because she does so much more good for the community than I do. But you know what? God loves, uh, is uh, ultimately fond and, uh, of Linda just for who she is and ultimately fond of me just for who I am in the same way uh, God is ultimately fond of Joy running tech and Mark running tech each in their own way and Megan and James who sing for us on Sunday and lead worship for us. Each of us in our own way. We don't need to compare each other. But so much of our life is about comparisons. We are wired to compare ourselves from we're small. One of the very first things we need to learn to do, we're told anyway, is to differentiate ourselves from our caregiver. So our mind is wired to be who we are by not being who we're not. I'm who I am because I'm not Linda. I'm who I am because I'm not that chair over there. I'm who I am because I'm not that camera or that camera or that camera or the video or the lights. I'm who I am because I, I'm different from anything else. And the bottom line is that's sometimes what happens in religion. Now I need to say something to you. When I was in a parrot, when I did some parachurch, you know, I, I visited some parachurch groups when I was in college. And they were all about saying religion is bad and faith is good because for them religion meant a certain way of behaving and faith meant a relationship. In the end, they're just words. Do you know what the root of the word religion is? Religio. It's to, and can you think of ligio? Ligaments hold things together. Religio means to reconnect, to connect things again. Don't you think that's what we want with religion? To be connected again? To be connected to our true selves? Connected to God? Absolutely. There's nothing wrong with religion. It's when we get caught up in our idea of what religion is and measuring everybody else by whether they fit into our idea of what religion is. And it's not just Christians pointing at non-Christians, it's Christians pointing at other Christians. It's Christians pointing at atheists, it's Christians pointing at anybody. It's other groups pointing at us. In the end, that's when religion becomes a problem. When it becomes about measuring my self-righteousness, thank you God that I'm not like the tax collector. That's what the Pharisee said, he's a religious guy. Now. I will tell you that in the Bible, religious people get a bad rap. Over and over again, religious people get a bad rap. We point fingers at them. They're always, in the Gospels, they're always out to get Jesus. They're, they're, they're testing him. They come up to him and, you know, they say, so, should we pay taxes or not? Because, of course, Jesus is caught in between. Should, you know, this woman was caught in adultery. The law says we're supposed to stone her. Should we do that or not? You know, trying to stir up things, test him, see if they could get him to fail in public so that everyone would say, ah, those religious people are good. 
And the non-religious Jesus is bad. Except Jesus was very religious. Every Sunday morning, every Sunday, every Saturday, he observed the Sabbath. He went to synagogue every week. He followed all, you know, he followed the laws as appropriate. Jesus was religious. So if religion is bad, Jesus is bad too. What's the problem, James? What's the deal with religion? Here, here's, here's what I see. Any time that religion is used to divide us, as opposed to its root word, to connect us, that's when religious is bad. That's when religion becomes a problem. When we can't get over ourselves. One of the ways I prepare to preach every Sunday morning is I picture in my mind, as I read the text, I picture in my mind the people who I would see on Sunday morning. It's been a year since I've seen any of you on Sunday morning, except for the five who come here on Sunday morning to uh, six, if you count me, who are here to do worship in this space. But I picture you in my mind. I picture you, and now that I know there are more of you because you're online, you're watching, I know mom and dad watch, I know people on the West Coast watch, I, know, I could name people that are all over the country that are watching us, and you watch us, and I see your faces. And you know, it's a good thing when I see your faces as I'm preparing to preach, if I'm thinking to myself, what word of encouragement can I give to Jerry and Aline? What word of encouragement could I give to my parents? It's bad when I think to myself, oh my gosh, those people are so off base. What can I say that's going to get them back in their place? That kind of preaching isn't really helpful <laughs> because that's up to God. That's not up to James. Now, I don't want Aline and Jerry or mom and dad to think that I think of you. Never, of course. Never. You're not, never my straw man or woman that I hold up and say, I've got to knock those down. But in my mind, sometimes I draw that line because it feels safer for me to not condemn myself. Oftentimes the person I'm condemning has the exact same issues that I have. Only I would, it's safer for me, makes me feel better about myself if I point at them than if I point at me. So we have this story. There's a religious guy, a Pharisee, who, by the way, the whole group rose up because they wanted to bring Israel back to God. They felt like the whole reason why God hadn't delivered them from the Romans and before the Romans, the Greeks, the whole reason why that hadn't been is because they hadn't, they hadn't had a revival. They hadn't come back to God. If they'd only come back to God, it would all get right. So those Pharisees became super religious, made a whole bunch of extra rules because the Ten Commandments weren't enough. They added another 600 on there or so to clarify what each one of the Ten Commandments means, how many steps you could take on the Sabbath, whether or not you could ride an elevator. No, kidding. No elevators in those days. You know, although there are rabbinic councils that talk about elevators and how they work. But in the end, they got all these extra rules because they thought that would make God happy. They thought we could appease God because God was just really, really ticked off. And the reason why they hadn't been delivered from the Romans is because God was really ticked off with how sinful they were. 
And if we could only follow these 600, the problem was the more rules that you add on, the more difficult it is for anybody to follow them, even the Pharisees. So they had all these rules. If you notice, he listed at least two things that he did. He gives at least 10% of his money away, you know, to support the temple. That's a good plan. I like that plan. Give 10% away. Good plan. And he fasts twice a week. Not just once a week now. Twice a week. He fasts twice a week. He has earned brownie points with God. That is what it's all about. And he's not. He lists the things he's not. I'm not an adulterer, a liar, and I am not like this tax collector over here. Pharisees were trying to bring people to God, and then they lost sight of trying to bring people to God for the rules that they created. Rules can be a really good thing. We all need a few rules here or there. Perhaps in a school zone, you shouldn't drive 85 miles an hour. And if you are, you should be imprisoned, or something should happen, like you should lose your license. That's a dangerous thing to do in a school zone. Probably should never drive 85 miles an hour at all, but that's a side issue. If you do, I'm not gonna, you know, it's not my job. I don't judge you for that. The police will take care of that for me. But some rules are good. It's when we carry those rules too far. And when we forget the whole purpose of the rules, it's to keep order. It's, it's, not, it's not to break things apart, it's to bring things back together. It's to hold them together. It's to give you some clarity about what is. And it's never for you to have a rule so that you can hold it over somebody else. Because just as soon as you're concerned about one rule, there's another rule over here that you've got the same rule, but you're breaking this rule while you're keeping this one. So the reason you're busy comparing yourself about this rule is because you're breaking this one all the time. Religious people are people just like you and me. In fact, I'm a religious person. I have a practice, I follow it every day, religiously, with habit. I follow it pretty closely. I even said to Linda the other day, what's it like to be married to somebody who has such a weird spirituality as me? And she's like, James, it's not weird, it's just you. See, that's what, after 29 years of marriage, you can tell she still loves me because she said, it's not weird. <laughs> it's just you. It's just you. Each one of us finds that way to connect with God. But as soon as the way I've decided to connect to God becomes so important to me that I don't notice my neighbor in need, I don't notice somebody else who might need my word of help or my word of encouragement because I'm so busy... So busy connecting with God that I've forgotten my neighbor, that's when it becomes a problem. Anytime we follow something to the extreme, so much so that we lose sight of the love that underpins it. When Jesus was asked to declare what is the greatest law, and he had to like he had like the Ten Commandments. You can start pulling them out. Hmm. Honor your father and mother. You know, I, I think that's a great one. I think that would be really good. I would like that. You know, I've got two kids. I'd like them to honor me. But no, that's not the most important one. Jesus takes all of the Ten Commandments, 
and then reaches for two more as the underpinning pieces. One that exists in Deuteronomy, the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord with your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then he reaches into Leviticus. Jesus quoted Leviticus once. Once. Wasn't interested in all the other codes. He quoted it once. And the one time was from chapter 19. And you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Those are the two commandments. You keep those. Those are the most important ones. Love. 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 How easy is it for us to fall in love with God and then forget we've fallen in love? How many of us, after however many years of marriage, forget all the things we fell in love about and start complaining about the other things? It's happened to me, and I'm sure Linda periodically is like, oh my gosh, who is this guy I married? What have I been doing for 29 years? Sleeps on the wrong side of the bed, doesn't make the bed, doesn't, I don't know, whatever it is, I don't know what her list is. Hopefully, she's not going to tell you as the send out later on. But uh, it could be a long list. It could be a long list. But we forget our first love. We forget our first love. That's the danger every one of us has as religious people. The spirituality that we are called to is a spirituality of love, not one of division, religion, reconnecting, reconnecting. We are meant to reconnect with God moment by moment, reconnect with each other and the universe and all that's around us moment by moment, it's constantly reconnecting. And you know why? Because as soon as I forget to, I'm off in my own world. So I need to get back to it. What, what I learned from looking at these religious people is, it's not about comparison. You don't need to compare yourself to the Baptists, if you're Methodist, or the Presbyterians, Episcopalians, Roman Catholics, Orthodox. You list it. You don't need to compare yourself to the atheists, Heck, I know some atheists that behave much more nicely than a lot of Christians I know. So I'm less worried about them. You know, or Jews, or Muslims, or Hindu, or Buddhist, or Taoist. I have a good friend who says, I have a Taoist Christian friend. And they're talking about me. I uh, don't, you know, there you go. Um, the bottom line is, it's not about comparison. It's about love. And if we can, can remember that first love, what brought us to faith, it wasn't the rules, and it wasn't deciding who's in and out. We were just thankful that we were invited into the family. People told us there were things, I hope you listened to that first song this morning, about there were things we could be ashamed about, that we could be pushed away from. God doesn't look at those things. You are infinitely precious and unconditionally loved by God. Find some patterns that work for you, some practices that bring you closer to God, and perhaps follow them religiously, 
But don't ever let the practices themselves get in the way of truly loving God and truly loving your neighbor. If you are too busy praying to help feed your neighbor, then maybe you're missing the point. So just be careful. The Pharisees started with the best plan. <laughs> they wanted to bring people back to God. That's good. And then they got twisted around the rules. So much so that a Pharisee dared to go to the temple and said, thank God I'm not like that tax collector over there. Be careful. Religion is a beautiful thing, as long as it's reconnection and it doesn't push others away.